Welcome to the Dog Pod, your home for fans of, can we say, whatever remains of the University of Washington Husky Tackle football team? The Smoldering Embers. The Smoldering Embers. I am, I am here with Law Dogs. Hey, no news, right? Can we just call it a day? Play, play yep, nope, and walk off? Yeah, there there was a bit of news this there week. There was some we news. Need, there, we we so, need to cover it. We got to cover it. So look, all up, we look, we lost to Oregon. Uh, a player was shoved near on-field brawl post-game. Uh, Cristobal goes full-scale live tweet moron mode. Um, John Don gets fired. Lake gets suspended. Should we get into it? Yeah, I mean, what choice do we have, BT? This is all okay. we got to talk about. This so. is all we got. This is all we got. Look at the. Um, let's 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 start off with the game. Um, so, hate week, the border war, whatever you want to call it, uh, started off uh, pretty well, really. Uh, I will say, hey, kudos to the tailgate, the Don James Athletic Club tailgate. That was some good eating, some duck, some ribs, um, some salmon. Amazing. So good food. Um, Oregon's opening, all downhill after that, really. All down, well, 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 we had a little bit of uphill to start. Oregon's opening drive, sixth play of the game. Carson Bruner undercuts an Anthony Brown pass and returns it 50 yards to the Oregon six. And at this point, if you were within striking distance of me, you got a bear hug. Like consensual, not a bear hug was coming your way. Um, now, at this point, you're probably like many Husky fans. I'm worried. Hey, field goal's coming. Field goal's coming. But no, took UW just Sean McGrew just two runs, five yard and a one yard to get in end zone seven zero dogs. Oregon returns with a nice drive marching down the field of the UW 24, but a false start penalty on third and seven pushes them back third and 12. UW holds them to a 46 yard field goal, seven three dogs. Still feeling pretty good. Now, here we go. UW goes on a typical. Three and out, nine-yard drive. But who saves the day? Race Porter with a 65-yard bomb that oddly Oregon on fourth and one doesn't feel to return man down at the one. One play later, Jackson Sermon with the safety. Again, bear hugs all around. It's nine to three. Feeling pretty good. Look, My like, voice was gone at that moment, BT. Oh, incredible. It, it's I mean, taken until now to recover. I mean, this just this just felt like, you know, the things that you needed to bounce your way are bouncing your way. Until you look back and remember, at that point, we had mustered 15 yards of offense. Mm. So, about that. about that. So, look, the game gets ugly. Drive chart, punt, 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 interception. Demo throws into triple coverage for a pick. That's like, what are you doing, dude? I had a perfect angle on that pass, BT, and I could just tell you, uh, it, I saw it coming a mile away, and it was like, no. Yeah. <laughs> oh, this is brutal. Um, Oregon can't capitalize, though. Um, finally, then, the dogs, Giles Jackson, what we've been waiting for, a nice 21-yard return to midfield. Dogs are driving all the way to the 23, setting up fourth and one. Instead of a long field goal, it's wildcat time, right? <laughs> McGrew loses a yard. It's still nice. Uh, about that. Oh, my God. Finally, at the end of the half, about the end of the half, Anthony Davis organized a crushing drive, capped off by a nice 31-yard pass to Devin Williams. 10-9 ducks. The teams trade punts. We head up the concourse from Corona Tallboys down 9-10 at half. Say, maybe not feeling too bad, just down one. But if you look, again, at this point, the dogs had amassed 98 yards, one pick, four punts, and a failed fourth and one. Yeah, 
no, it was a disaster on offense. And, and it was, you know, how many of these have we had an entire half of football with just nothing? Well, are you ready here for the second half? Doesn't get much better. We're hoping for some Husky magic, um, but it's second verse, same as the first. First drive, McGrew for two, Demo sack, Kadon for nine, fourth and two, race punts. On the ensuing drive, ugh, I mean, all Oregon does, they hand off the ball to Travis Dye five times for 68 yards, including a crushing 45-yarder. Anthony Davis runs in it for the two, right? This is what, oh, here we go. Run D. 17-9 ducks. Dogs next two series, six yards and negative three yards. Coverage unit not really helping. A Micah Pittman 33-yard run gives the ducks a short field on the UW 22. Two Travis Dye runs is all it takes, 24-9 Oregon. And this is when you can hear the boo birds, people are leaving. Stands are emptying out. But the dogs show a little lift with a nifty 75-yard drop. Drive inclusive of being bailed out on a third and four with a PI call. I mean, really, I don't. I mean, mm-hmm. good haul, bad call, whatever. You got bailed out. Sean McGrew caps it off with a two-yard touchdown run on third and goal. It's 16-24, right? So we're thinking Oregon taking over 8:59. Get the ball back. Get the ball back. But they rip off a 15-play drive down on the nine. Takes two unsportsmanlike penalties, pushing them back to the 32, forcing a punt. They play it safe. UW takes over with a chance for a touchdown at a two-point conversion for a tie. Demo throws incomplete to Cade, incomplete to Jalen twice, and with 157 on the clock, he goes for it, right? Nope. I mean, we're going to get into all this. Bring out the punt team. Bring out the punt team. You think it can't get worse? Yes, it can. It files, flies over Race's head for a safety, 26-16, Oregon up one. Oregon, like, but they still want to score, right? So they drive down to the uh, the UW two yard line just to rub some dirt in it, but run out of time. Game over. Huskies lose twenty sixteen. Just a few stats here. So end of the day, Travis Dye rushes for a career high two hundred eleven yards. Shocker, right? Most against UW since Johnny Stewart in two thousand seven. Second half all up two hundred fifteen yards, six point nine a carry. I'll say this is one thing I, I, I saw looking back. In my opinion. We have not played a this is this is this is not meant to be a dig, but we have not played a national caliber Alabama, et cetera, Georgia this year. But we have played two very good teams, and they both ran for three hundred yards on us. I'll say this again about Oregon. In my opinion, this is not a top five Oregon team of the last fifteen years. Yeah, I, I mean, I tend to agree with that. But they still have enough to win the Pac-12. Yeah. And they also have the best resume of, of anybody, you know, even close. 100%. Yeah. Well, I mean, what you didn't mention, BT, was the the event on the sideline, which I, I'm going to get to here. But, I mean. This is the, uh, get into it, this is the, what we would call literal on the field figurative off the field issues let's get into it yeah i mean i just i want to go i just want to back it up i mean you know we we might not be talking about jimmy like for uh, for a long time after this um this week and you know i just want to remember this guy's given nine years to the husky program he actually was here in 2004 um under keith gilbertson for a season and then he kind Mm -hmm. of bounced around the nfl after that uh he joined chris peterson in 2012 but then he spent six years um, at, under Peterson and in the last two as head coach. So, I mean, he's he went to Eastern Washington as a player. He's got a lot of 
Washington roots and ties. I mean, he's the closest thing this program has had to a homegrown coach since Jim Lambright. And uh, so, you know, I, I look at, I look at that and I say, you know, we wanted him to succeed. We wanted him uh, to be the guy that we all, you know, that Chris Peterson, apparently Jim Cohen thought that he was, but we got to go back at here because, you know, UW is not a second-rate football program. I mean, you know, I know that the fans give us such a hard time about this for having high expectations and and believing we're better than we are. Um, I realize that is just, you know, the knife that every team likes to poke us with um, and, and all the fans like to poke us with. But, but this is a top 25 all-time program. We've uh-huh. had a lot of recent success. We've won or tied for the North – four times in the last five seasons. It'll be four out of six this year. Um, you won two conference championships. Uh-huh. You've been three major bowl games and a CFP in that time. So when Chris Peterson steps down after the 2019 season, why do we have to, before you know, two hours before that news, you know, basically makes it out into the world, have to hire Jimmy Lake with no head coaching experience and only two years experience as a coordinator, um, you know, to be the head coach of that program. I think you could have easily gone through a search process. Maybe you end up with him and say the continuity is more important than the other candidates you have, but it, it just, it should have been done. And it's becoming clear just with the stuff that's happened over the last couple of years that he was not ready for this position. He's just not ready to be the CEO. Uh-huh. He's been a position coach most of his career. And uh-huh. and you have to go through some things. And this is just not a job where you can learn on the job. And I think, you know, we look back at some of these things, like remember after the Apple Cup in 2018, where he just like belittled Mike Leach and just saying like, that guy, as long as he's here, as long as we're here, we're going to beat his ass and all that. You know, that's fun to shit talk, especially with the Cougs and the Apple Cup. But it showed a lot of lack of respect for the opponent. You know, and I think that that's another thing that's kind of been coming up recently, right? Especially during this week, when it, when confidence turns into ego, that can be a bad combo. Mm-hmm. And and so I just think there are some t- signs that this was kind of maybe getting off the rails a little bit before it really did, but it really did this week. I mean, go back to twenty twenty. That stagnant offense we had for long stretches of time, right? The first half of the Utah game, basically a lot of that Oregon State game last year, the the first half of the Stanford game last year. And we just kind of overlooked them because, you know, our defense was lights out. And, you know, we, we pulled out a 3-1 record and won the North. But this just this problem got worse in 2021. And it got worse because this John Donovan thing just didn't work. I mean, we knew at the time. It was going to be a terrible decision. And, like, well, as a first-time head coach, Lake, with a defensive background, you, you would have just thought, hey, he's going to go hire a big-time OC or he's going to make, um, you know, he's, he's going to get somebody with a lot of experience. But he didn't do that. He hired kind of a retread. And Donovan had been a failed offensive coordinator at Penn State where he was fired. And then he was in Jacksonville as a quality control coach before he eventually got a running back assistant you know position coach there for one year and then we hired him as a coordinator i mean that was just a that just showed weakness of jimmy lake Uh he was not Uh able to get a good coach in that position and rather than go you know find somebody with a lot of experience even like a tedford type of retread or something like that would have been a really you know that would have made a lot of difference here but we went as 
painful three-week process. We ended up on Donovan. It was a total disaster the whole time. I mean, and, you know, finally it ended. And I just am left to wonder, like, was that actually Jimmy's decision? Or was that like Jen Cohen saying, this has got to change, like, tonight? Um, You know, I don't know. Remember when we sat here on this show when he was hired and we searched for reasons? And the only thing we could come up with was just dumb trust. Just like, look, I guess he knows something we don't. Right. And Jimmy, we trust, I guess, because there is not a stitch of evidence where this hire makes any sense at all. And for all we know, Jimmy Lake has never actually hired anybody before BT. And as somebody who works in, in management, you know, you know, that's a skill in itself. That's a process in itself. I mean, here he was as a first time coach hiring for the first time. And is is there something that I didn't see? And and like I've said, I, you know, I was able to spend an hour with with Jimmy after the last Pac-12 championship, and there couldn't have been a cooler guy. Just couldn't have been. A, I mean, one of the best hours I've ever spent with you know another Husky fan, even though he happened to be the you know the DC at the time. But what a great guy! And 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 so you'd think you know is he inspiring other coaches? But is there something that? he's doing that's making like coach K coach, coach Kwiatkowski. Did he see the writing on the wall and say, look, I got to get out of here. This isn't working. Well, so I, I, yeah, I was going to make that point too, but go ahead. And as he maybe is, did he interview other OCs of a higher caliber than John Don who just said, boy, this doesn't sound like a long-term thing. Yeah, no, I, I, I think that that is a a question that we're all going to have for the rest of our time. Right. I mean, we're, we're not going to be able to get that answer. I, I doubt. Um, but yeah, I was going to bring up Kukowski leaves, same kind of thing. Like he goes, you know, rather than hiring a big time DC, he, he flounders around for a few, couple of weeks, hires Bob Gregory. And, you know, it was just very underwhelming um, because here he is a young coach, with not a lot of experience. And then here he's got a staff that's like, you know, Donovan had a couple years of OC experience. Gregory obviously did have a good track record as DC at Cal, I believe. I know there's a lot of difference of opinion on that, but I thought he did a good job there. But, I mean, he was kind of, you know, an older guy and not really, you know, never really risen above that level. Um, But then you got to look at the recruiting, too. I mean, this is part of this, right? It's like we take a big step back recruiting in 2021, back down to 36th nationally Mm -hmm. after three straight top 15-ish seasons. Um, and then this season, you know, you're lining up for an eighth place in the conference here. You're recruiting class only 54th. You've lost a couple of recruits to Oregon. And so now we'll get into that a little bit, but I just, I want to make one more point, which is, you know, you mentioned getting run over at Michigan. We, we talked ad nauseum about the loss to Montana. I mean, it's just drip, 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 right? But the other thing that I think people aren't really giving enough attention to is that Lake has just seemed so tone deaf in these Mm -hmm. press conferences Mm -hmm. all season where he's just like trying to put a good spin on everything. And it's like rather than, you know, he just says, oh, yeah, we're close to winning these games. No, no, we're not making any changes in offense. We're not even thinking about that. We're not even thinking about a new quarterback. I mean, at best, that stuff comes across as stubborn. But at worst, it's really just arrogant and out of touch and just clueless, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I just think that that has had a bigger impact than people realize. I mean, UW sends you out to do the mm-hmm. press conferences to market the program, connect with the fans, give access to the media so they can write stories about the program and engage the fans. And that's their window into the team. And he just sounds like he's not watching the same games we're watching. And it's like, 
this team is unwatchable. And you're trying to make it seem like it's actually in really good shape just because if you say it enough. And it just comes across as totally out of touch. And it w- it's embarrassing. You know, it's embarrassing for the program and the fans. And, and that was really, I think, what happened here. I mean, he took that shot at Oregon's academics at the beginning of hate week. That was really, I think, I, I think we can all agree that this week has just been a disaster. Mm-hmm, and, mm-hmm. and um, you know, he took that shot at their academics. I mean, Scott Woodward did that several years back. It's not like, you know, it's never been done before. I mean, mm-hmm. Lamprey's sure. taking shots at him. But it just, he sounded just frankly like an idiot, right? He bungles the grammar. He says academically prowess schools. And, and, and he, and besides Oregon's been kicking your ass to recruiting. As I just mentioned, they flipped a couple of our commits. Like you don't have to compliment them, but just say, Hey, we compete with a lot of different schools and Oregon is one of them. Great. Right. Right. You're done. Um, but BT, I had to bring up Sun Tzu once said Mm. in the art of war. Never interfere with an enemy while he's in the process of destroying himself. It's a loose translation. (laughs) And Oregon just could not help themselves this week. And I actually kind of wonder if Lake might have survived if they hadn't done this stuff. But Oregon's president comes out with that statement, right, saying we respect the former coach and, I mean, taking a shot at Lake. I mean, you, you, if you're the football coach, you don't want to be top of mind to Anna Marie Kousey, the university president. You just want her, you know, you know what I mean? Like you don't no want to, kidding. Be, you don't want to be on her radar, but you got to think they were talking about this. Like, Hey, their president just came out and took a shot. You know, it's like, should we put out a statement? You know, it's like, she's got to get now. She's got to engage on all this stuff. Most um, of upper campus just doesn't want to hear about the team. Exactly. Exactly. They just want <laughs> it to be successful and moving on and it's not part of their lives. Right. Just don't embarrass us. Yep. Right. And, and so it's like, she's got to feel a little bit, you know, slighted there um or at least embarrassed and then cristobal piles on by using the prowess term at the end and the press is all jumping all over that right he's taking a shot and and then of course cristobal had that huge you know tirade after the game that was captured but it but sounded like saying, a complete a complete moron but they that. couldn't they could not help themselves and piling on making us look bad and i think just the level of embarrassment I felt this last week as an, as an alumni BT, I mean, I just, as an alum, I just, you know, I, I talked to some other people. I talked to a former player. It's embarrassing. The it entire is, program yeah. has been embarrassed by this. And so yeah. we, that's the, that's the, we're setting the stage now for what happens. Right. But we get that incident in the fourth quarter. Finally, I'm, I'm finally getting to the, the end here, but re- reportedly according to one of the parents and kids, um, Oregon's players were spitting on, or at least, very least, they were taunting UW players over on the UW sideline, right? So walk on, Rupertake Fuavai, right? This guy kind of came out of nowhere this week. Mm-hmm. He's right <laughs> in the middle of it. Guy. Lake runs up into the middle of them, smacks Fuavai in the face mask with his play sheet, and then as Fuavai's walking away, and I do think this is important, right? Lake shoves him with both hands in the back, shoves right. him away yep. Yep. to separate all the players. And so after the game, he says, no, 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 I didn't strike him. I was separating them. And he was kind of like a little curt about it. And, um, but I mean, you know, it undercuts your message when you say, Oh, but our, our message all week had been, we needed to show poise. And, you know, that was our point of emphasis. And it's like, here I am kind of losing it a little bit on the sideline. Um, so, I mean, that's all to say, 
this is not the worst thing that has ever happened in the last 23 months. This is not the worst thing that's probably ever happened to Rupert Take Fuabai, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> but right, it's right, a highly right. televised moment. Your boss's boss is watching this because of what's been going on. Yep. And this was just a straw. It was a big straw that just kind of like broke the camel's back in the end. And it just kind of forced Jen Cohen into doing something. So she's had to suspend him for a week. Um, we finally learned Donovan has just been fired and you just kind of wonder like, what is all connected here? I mean, it just seems like a house cleaning is coming. And so junior Adams is going to take over as offensive coordinator this week. He's been a coordinator before as Western Kentucky for a couple of years. So it's nice to have a guy like that on your staff um, who could step in. Mm-hmm, Greg mm-hmm. Reese going to be interim coach. He's been interim coach before at Boise. Um, and, uh, so for the week of the ASU game. So the question is what's going to happen on Sunday, BT, the next time we do a show, <laughs> there's going to be more news. Right. But I think I wanted to just give a little bit of an employment law, um, one one for the listeners here. And What's basically that? Lake's contract says any significant, serious or intentional act of misconduct, including, but not limited to injuring, abusing, or endangering others or any conduct materially prejudicial to the best interests of the university and its athletics program as determined within the reasonable discretion of the athletic director. So, you know, if they are going to fire Lake, right, with cause, for cause, and not pay him the remaining $9 million on his contract, um, this is the clause that is going to need to be violated, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. So it, in the eventual wrongful termination lawsuit, at, right? I mean, if Lake is fired for cause, he's going to sue. He has nothing to lose at that point. This is what Rolovich is doing at Wazoo. Neuheisel did this to UW already, um, you know, about 15 years ago. Um, you know, every clip of every coach in the history of football grabbing and pushing a player is going to be admissible at the trial. And the jury is going to say, okay, how was this push? Was this really injuring, abusing, or endangering another? Was that conduct that was materially prejudicial to the best interest of the, of the program? So, mm-hmm. I mean, event. so uh, they're suspending him because they need to look into that, right? They're not going to be able to answer that question on a Saturday night when they're all, you know, ticked off about what's going on. They need to investigate. They need to look into it. They're probably going to interview a lot of people who have interacted with Jimmy Lake over the years, find out, you know, what kind of a guy he's been. In the end, they might end up firing for cause. But, um, you know, and, and the UW ended up settling with Neuheisel for four and a half million, which is about half of what he was suing them for. So, um, you, you know, they could also just be working on a, on a mutually agreeable termination. But in any case, I think the suspension is clearly like a precursor to something else. It's clearly a delay tactic so the university can investigate, they can negotiate, whatever it is. Making a rash decision over $9 million in the fit of rage on a Saturday night just isn't going to do anyone any favors. Do you think that, is this a fair assumption of the scenarios? And that's a great background that one scenario is that, um, they're trying to find a a rationale to fire him with cause right now. And they're hitting the books right now, but they'll, you know, they'll get back to us. The second one is, and, or they're doing that, but they're also in active negotiations with his, him and his representation right now. Uh, to come up with a settlement, which they so, could be doing, they could be doing both of those, right? BT in the in the law talking industry, we call that belt and suspenders, right? You 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 do both. Um, yeah, it wouldn't surprise me at all if they're interviewing other coaches, players, assistants, staff persons, all those things to try to find out. Okay, what else do we have here? Because this is gonna what's going to come out in the trial. 
they all might testify. Lake is the best guy I've ever met. Um, you need to know that. But you also, think- they could be. They also, I think, would be doing themselves a you know a huge disservice if they weren't talking to him and just saying, "Look, nobody wants litigation. Nobody wants this. You're going to get your four or five million from us, which is about half of what we owe you." And then you get to say we're mutually parting ways. You know, we, you know. If I'm Jimmy Lake, I don't know if I'm that deal's acceptable to me because you just tarnished me. You painted me with this brush that I'm an abuser. You know, so I think he might want something from the university in exchange for that. But but I think that they are definitely going down both of those roads is, is another scenario in which they are looking at this, looking at the evidence, looking at the payoff and saying, hey, look, we we made our point. The season's gone. Let's bring him back until the end of the season and just deal with it afterwards. It could be. It could be. I think that would be a mistake if they are. Because the next four weeks is not just about the games you're playing. You also have, it's a critical time for recruiting. And I think that's really the piece of this, right? That's just, we've now just corrupted the entire UW football recruiting machine. You know, we've said the head coach, we've suspended it because he hit a player, <laughs> you know? Right, right. I mean, so now it's like, oh, but we think it's fine. So you should come to our school, right? I mean, <laughs> That's right, yeah. you, you know, we can't do that. It can't happen. Now, I talked to a former player earlier today. I've heard Clem, Cam Cleland on the Honk Show today. Um, you see former players, you know, coming out of all stripes, you know, online and stuff. I mean, to a football player, what they saw on Saturday night was like nothing, virtually nothing. Yeah, that's and right. And they, right. they don't want to see a coach suspended or fired for doing something like that because that sets a precedent that now every coach who ever puts a hand, you know, on the shoulder pads or the face mask of a player is going to be subject to reprimand, right? You can't do that. Mm-hmm. So uh, that's why I wanted to get into all that background and kind of lay out the whole case that they're really, that the whole context of what they're dealing with. Because that's, if we were eight and one, and we had won on Saturday, nobody's probably talking about this. You know, you're right, and it's it's funny of me talking about, well, you know, he look, Jimmy Lake's not going to get fired out the, in mid-season outside of some off-field issues, and it is, you know, again, uh, literally on the field, figuratively off the field. Yeah, it's <laughs> no. just outside the sideline there. <laughs> That's just, just outside the sideline off the field. there. Yeah. But it, it you know, ultimately is what this could come down to. Um, and and I go back going back to your original point. I just want to make sure that um, yeah, this is not Tyrone Wellingham. This is not you know fill in the blank. Um, Jimmy Lake has done amazing things for this program. How many Huskies? You know, you look at what Elijah Molden's family put out, um, thanking him for getting their son ready for the NFL. How great he has been, and that you know, if without he's the the godfather of what we call death row D. And, you know, the defensive DBU uh, and everything that he's done for this program has been incredible. And from my impressions of him, he's a great guy. I think, was it too much to ask, are programs all trying to replicate Ryan Day? And it's really hard to do. And Ohio State had the luxury of Ryan Day being forced into being the interim coach for one Before year. Before they made that decision. For a year. A full year of the interim coach where they could evaluate him. And see that he was ready to take this next challenge. Uh, and everyone's trying to replicate it. So it's going to be interesting to see how this thing shakes out. Yeah, Lincoln Riley, same thing in Oklahoma. I mean, there's a lot of 
programs that have pulled it off. But um, I think the vast majority of them haven't. And, you know, you're, you're seeing some reasons as to why it, you know, the culture and the foundation that Peterson built, it doesn't just stay in place. Um, you know, it, it, it has to be maintained actively. And, you know, you just see some things slipping here and there. And Lake is, is not Chris Peterson. And, you know, to hold him that standard is unfair. It's absolutely unfair. That's a guy who's probably a Hall of Fame college football coach. But, you know, he also asked for this opportunity. And with the opportunity comes a lot of responsibilities. And it comes with the danger and the um, and the uncertainty of being a head coach at a major program. I mean, you just you, you, you cannot have these kind of results. You cannot embarrass the university. And if you're doing that on the sideline of a Western Kentucky game, to use it as an example, right? I mean, it's just, it's not the same. It's just not the same. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think we'll get in, we'll get into this next, but, um, you know, before we talk about our next opponent, which is going to be a really interesting one of ASU, but we got to talk about potential, uh, leads for offensive coordinator, potentially for head coach, but this is a tough time to be looking for coordinators and head coaches when you're competing against at least USC and a bunch of others as well. Um, uh, so We'll see. Do you want to get into that? Yeah, I mean, I think it's it's fair to throw out a few names. I mean, on the on the coordinator side, um, you know, I, I think one name that we've been hearing all season is um, is Mark Helfrich. Mm-hmm. You know, he's out there. He's got a lot of success at your top rival. Um, you know, and he, you know, was a great great in that role. Now, I, I do think it's a little premature to get in the coordinator discussion because is Jimmy Lake hiring this person? Is it going to be the next coach hiring this person? We don't even know if so, Jimmy Lake fired the existing coordinator. Yeah, exactly. So, so then, yeah. no, I, I mean, that's true, right? You got Graham Harrell down at USC who's been, um, you know, he's pro- he's in a similar situation, right? He's under a uh, he's under a, an interim coach at the moment. Mm-hmm. Uh, he'll probably be looking for new work. You got Brian Lindgren, um, who's been at Oregon State. Um, you know, and, and obviously, you know, Jonathan Smith, and there's a lot of familiarity there. So I think those are a few names. I do think that. Can I add a few to those? Yeah, go ahead. Fresno State. Yeah. Ryan Grubb. Yeah. Uh, I mean, look what he's been able to do. Um, I think a lot of people are looking towards, you know, maybe it's like Jeff Grimes, Baylor, um, spent time at ASU and CU. These are all options as well. Yeah, and I mean, I think if Lake is somehow coming back, and it's, it's fair to say, I, I think none of us really expect that. I mean, John Wilner today said he has a 99% chance of, of not making it right uh, or being fired, dismissed. Um, so, I mean, you know, I, I think, it, you know, we, we have to get into the head coaching names before we can really, you know, settle on. on but, if, but if Lake does come back, I mean, he's going to be looking at guys potentially like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so on the head coaching side, um, and again, we're not going to have news on this for, for a few more weeks, probably for sure. I mean, you know, you're going to have to wait for some of these programs here to, for their seasons to end before you can really, mm-hmm. you know, get here. Right. But, um, I mean, I know the big name that's everyone now that's out there right now is Luke Fickle. If mm-hmm. I had to guess, I think he's actually going to be the front runner at USC. I think mm-hmm. Bone, yeah. Bone, the athletic director there. 
hired him in at Cincinnati. I just think that's a real. I think it's going to be tough. That would be yeah. a good hire for them too. I, yeah. I think he would do a good job there. Um, he's not flashy, you know, but I think that would be. But so I, I don't think he's really in the mix. Then another guy I know people talk about is Matt Campbell of Iowa State. Um, I mean, that, he's already making five million at Iowa State. That's I, 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 <laughs> like, which surprised me. But it's a contract um, through twenty twenty eight too. Yeah, and I mean, so UW's going to have to come up with a huge buyout to do that. He has turned down other jobs. I mean, there's a, there was an article I saw that said he had turned down the Detroit Lions, offered him like sixty eight wow. million or something. So wow. I mean, yeah. I also am hearing TCU is interested in him. So I just I think those two names, even though they're hot, sexy coaching names right now, I think those are real unlikely. One that might be a little bit more um, likely, but it's a little bit more or less sexy is probably Dave Clawson at Wake Forest, right? I mean, mm-hmm. he's a, he's been a head coach for 22 years. He's 54, so he's not, you know, he's not super um, super ancient. He would have some good years here potentially. Um, and, uh, you know, he's done a great job at Wake Forest this season, obviously. Um, I mean, the, the name that keeps coming up is Justin Wilcox, right? He's already interviewed for the job when, when um, Peterson got it. Um, and, you know, it wouldn't be exciting, but I actually think he would be a nice upgrade. Um, he's definitely the personality, the fit that upper campus would like, right? Very low key. So with that, um, you have to be a believer that he has had some unsuccessful years, including this one, because of what he's working with. Yeah, I mean, I think that the health restrictions and all that is is a big part of their problems this season, and they've had some challenges with that over the last two years. But, I mean, you know, he got there at Cal, and they were winning, you know, pretty much right away. Um, I, I Again, I'm not advocating for Wilcox. I, I think he would be a, 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 not, as, a, not a super satisfying choice, but I do think it would be an upgrade. Um, mm-hmm. the, so here's some names that I actually really like. Kalen DeBoer, also Fresno State, right? So you could get the two-for-one there, um, mm-hmm. BT. If you hire him, he'll probably bring his coordinator with him. But, I mean, this guy was 67-3 and three at Sioux Falls, which is, admittedly, that's NAIA, but lost three games out of 70. Unreal. Um, and then he's been 10-6 at six at Fresno with a very nice year this year. Obviously, he's got a, a few former Huskies on the team with him there. So, um, um you know, he. I think he would be a very, actually, a pretty good hire. But he's a little bit, you know, again, he's been a proven head coach, but but not really recruited at the highest levels. Um, another name I really like is Billy Napier, Louisiana. He was thirty six and twelve there for four seasons. He's two and one in bowl games. He's kind of a southern guy. May not be interested in the West Coast, but it's definitely a step up where he is at in Louisiana. So he could be interesting. Um, and I'm hearing a lot about Tom Herman. I know he's fired uh-huh. Texas, but I mean, he's 32 and 18 there and they won all four bowl games. He was in, uh-huh. um, and he had, you know, good years at Houston, two really nice years at Houston. So, you know, those are some names. Um, again, we'll have more to talk about more time to talk about it. A couple you didn't mention. Everybody's asking about Kellen Moore. I mean, I think you're just kind of, I mean, I, I wouldn't say you're necessarily going to repeat all of the mistakes that you just made, but here's a guy who's, you know, never been a head coach, certainly not in college. Mm-hmm. Um, we don't know if he's ever recruited a player. Um, so, you know, I, I do think, you know, he's got the Washington ties from Prosser. Um, and, you know, I, I, I like the coming home stories. But I think this program needs to be thinking a little bit bigger right now and saying, look, we're not 
nobody hires for the next 15 to 20 years. That stuff just doesn't happen anymore. I mean, we thought that was going to happen with Chris Peterson and he was here six years, right? You got to be ready to, to hire and make these decisions the best you can, get the best guy you can, and just expect that they're not going to be there forever. And mm-hmm, mm-hmm. like at Kellen Moore, I think – I think that comes from a good place, but I but I just don't think that's what this program needs right now, personally. Yeah. Well, it's going to be really interesting to see how this plays out. And I think in our next podcast, when we're looking back to the ASU game and looking forward to see you, we'll be um, coming back to you with more news. We're going to know more next week. Absolutely. I think we'll yeah. know more next week. Hey, big game this week. Should we talk about ASU? Yeah, let's do it. Hey, 4 p.m. on FS1, um, and we'll guess the rest of the lines later, but this one we already know. Opened up at minus four. Now it's ASU favored by six. We haven't played since 2018, and a nice 27-20 win. But look, ASU had our number when everybody did, and it was painful. We don't talk about this enough. They won 10 straight. We beat we beat ASU in 2000, and we didn't beat them again until 2016. So yeah. this Friday, yeah. This Friday, here you go. Saturday, 4 p.m. FS1, 4 and 5 UW, hosting 6 and 3 ASU. All right. Um, let me get into this first. I'll talk about this side a little bit. So um, the ASU offense against our, our, our Husky D. They run, I even remember, so their, their offensive coordinator is Zach Hill. Uh, you might remember him from Boise State 2016, 2019. And, and they do a little bit of trickeration. You've noticed that Boise State loved to do heavy motion, pro style, some elements of a spread. Um if they're inside five, it doesn't matter for a second. They're, if they're inside five yards, they're going to run it straight at you. Um, be ready for that. We should be worried. ASU is one of four teams in the pack rushing over 200 yards per game. They have a great option, Rashad White, who didn't play against Wazoo uh, in, in their upset, um, came back to have a monster 200-yard game against USC. He's six in the pack, 12 of the 80 yards a game, even with his missing. Um, Diamante uh, Tranum. One heck of a backup who's going to get touches. And this is, I mean, Jaden Daniels. He's actually ahead of Sean McGrew in rushing. 61 yards a game. I mean, this, and running quarterbacks arguably cause us greater problems than do, you know, big heavy RBs in the backfield. Um, All up, though, I think it's fair to say Daniels has been disappointing. Seven touchdowns and seven picks. This is a run first team. From a passing perspective, 26 attempts per game. That's how some tied for 11th in the fewest pass attempts. Tied for 10th in the Pac-12 in completions. Not a ton of options out there. Look at the USC game, which they won. Only four receivers caught a pass. When was the last time you saw that? Four yeah. receivers caught a pass. Turnovers have been a major issue. They fumbled or threw picks on three of the first 13 plays against Wazoo. Um, all up, though. This is not a favorable matchup against our Husky defense, which has struggled, struggled to stop the run. Um, there's a couple other cultural things I want to get into when I chat about it, uh, when I chat all up what I think are actually the biggest factor of this. But I want to hear what you think first about their defense against our offense. Yeah, I mean, this is, frankly, this is, if, if the Husky defense isn't the best in the Pac-12 this season than it than it's ASU. I mean, they, they're actually giving up the fewest yards per game of any team uh, in the conference. Um, and they're second in scoring defense, just a point or so behind UW. And, you know, they, they've held several opponents to under 20 points, um, but they've in, in recent weeks they've been slipping a little bit, I'd say. I mean, they had that loss to Wazoo 34-21 where they just had a lot of turnovers. Um, 
and uh, they lost to Utah the week before that, 35-21. So that, that UW streak of not giving up 35 points, um, you know, ASU's not quite doing that uh, this year. And then, of course, they lost to BYU back in week three. Um, so, but this is a really balanced defense, right? They're fourth against the pass. They're fifth, um, or sorry, third against the run in the conference. Um, they're middle of the pack on third and fourth down. But they're actually, if you look at, if you're looking for a weakness, maybe this is one, and that is that this team's not very good in the red zone on defense. They're actually tenth in the conference, ninety-two percent uh, of trips that have gone into the red zone against ASU have ended up in scores, and that's been a strength of UW this season is is converting those red zone opportunities. So, you know, maybe you know, you put it on your defense again to create turnovers, get. Um, get you know get good field position things like that that you really were able to do last week um, and if they can do that and and convert some of those red zone opportunities then then they'll have a chance in Husky Stadium. You know I, I, you've raised some great points that kind of stuff concerns me. Um, I think what this is going to come down to there if you look at it from an Exozo's perspective, it's very concerning for us going against any team that has an established run game. And, and you could argue that they're right there at the top of the Pac-12 in one of the toughest run games we've um, uh, we're going to go against. It's not a good matchup on paper. I think ultimately this it's is going to come down to preparation and some type of culture rebound. Um, is what you saw like I think part of Wazoo beating ASU is what's going to happen to the team right now. What is happening inside that locker room? And it could be one of two things: Are people starting to think about the transfer portal? Starting to think about hey, what's next? Starting to think about, hey, maybe, hey, this wasn't fair. This wasn't fair. Right. Jimmy, Jimmy's my guy. He brought me here. I'm being treated unfairly. Or are they saying it's us against the world? It's us against the world, and we got to come together. Let's do this. And like those you know, kind of things where like Stanford went on that run last year when they were traveling around the country in a bus because they couldn't find a place to play, and it was them against the world. Right. I think they outplayed who they were. So I don't know which team is going to show up on. On Saturday, I really hope it's one that rallies together, but I do think ultimately this more than any other game, maybe this year, it's going to be about that. What happens culturally in that locker room under this new leadership, given everything that's going on? Well, I'll tell you what else. And that is you've got a new offensive coordinator. We haven't been able to say that in a while. And I'm excited to see what he can do. Um, You know, he's been the receivers coach. He knows what the best weapons he knows personally, what the best weapons on this team are. And those are those receivers. Um, so I would expect, yeah, we're going to throw those quick outs and quick little screens and stuff to McMillan and Rome quite a bit. That's going to be a big part of what we're doing and let those guys get athletic and try to get into space and all that. But also, you know, we might be seeing a different quarterback this week. You know, Adams was non-committal on the Monday press conference that got bumped uh, when they announced the Jimmy Lake news, um, he was very noncommittal. That he was asked, "Hey, is Dylan Morris your quarterback?" And he was like, "Yeah, we're game planning right now, and we'll we'll see." And I mean, frankly, I don't see what we have to lose by giving the ball to Patrick O'Brien and see uh-huh. what he could do. Um, you know, by all accounts, he was you know neck and neck with with Morris for the job this year, and Lake has was stubborn in how he handled that. He should have given some guys some meaningful opportunities. Um, when more, just, I mean, in, by virtue of Morris really struggling, I mean, you can't let, you can't let a player struggle on the field like that. And then meanwhile, Sean McGrew, oh, you didn't have a good Wednesday practice. So you're benched for the game, 
right? You can't do that to guys where mm-hmm. you're saying here, you're held to a higher standard, but our quarterback, he can play like crap basically. And we're just going to keep running him out there. So the one advantage yeah. UW has in this game, if they can summon that emotional advantage, like you're talking about BT is there's no film, whatever we're doing on Saturday, there's no film of it right now. Mm-hmm. There really yeah, isn't. That's right. That's right. There yeah. really isn't. ASU can try to prepare for this, but they've probably never seen Patrick O'Brien. They may be thinking Sam Hewitt's coming out. Um, <laughs> Sam Hewitt may come out. <laughs> yeah. right. I mean, we don't know what's going to happen offensively, so it's very difficult to show. And also, I mean, I think it's worth pointing out, we're not the only program um, that's going through some struggles right now. I mean, ASU has had a tough year themselves. I mean, they've lost a couple of coaches to suspensions and whatnot because of recruiting violations. Herm Edwards is on a hot seat there. Um, you know, if you're paying attention in Tempe, Arizona right now, you're hearing a lot of the same stuff that UW players are hearing right now, right? About your coach isn't long for, for your school and he'll be gone and – Roots are on hold and all this other stuff. So there's a lot of drama around their program right now, too. Um, and I wouldn't assume, you know, that they're going to come in necessarily as as fired up um, as though they're playing for the Pac-12 South title with, with no drama. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, boy, I just hope that they rally around these, the interim coaching staff um, and come together and see with, you know, going a little bit of a run here. You got three games left. And I, I think, you know, when people say there's nothing left to play for this season, I disagree. I think when you start missing bowl games, the Bad. snowball going downhill just grows. You, we need these practices more than anybody right now. Well, and I actually one of the most compelling arguments I've heard, I, I read John Wilner wrote a comment, a column about this a couple months ago, why the mid with the Mountain West was just running roughshod over the Pac-12 this season, BYU and all that. Mm-hmm. They played full seasons last year. They played full seasons. They, pra- they practiced, yep. you know, around and we didn't. And it just shows up, especially early, you know, like it, like Dylan Morris is a great example. Here's a guy who played four games. We're treating him like a sophomore you know, um, who's been the starter for a year, but really, you know, he's played 13 games, a college football player. So, you know, that experience really matters. And we didn't get any of it. The PAC 12 didn't get any of it. And competitively, they may have lost, you know, more than just games played. They may have lost that experience and and some of those intangible things, practice time that we're talking about. So looking on to next year, do you want to be done the day after Thanksgiving or do you want to play a few more weeks at least into December? I mean, we have to try to make a bowl game. That's what this team has to play for right now. And Bob Gregory, I'm sure, is telling them that. Look, we, do you really want to just hang it up and be be done with your college football career? That's not fair to these seniors, the guys who came back, like McGrew and Pleasant, you know, came back for six years, right, who were hoping to do good things and big things. We didn't you know, talk enough about the Jackson Kirkland performance against Kayvon Thibodeau. Oh, well, we didn't talk about the game at all. But, I mean, frankly, Kirkland – pretty much shut him down and i mean you know it was awesome but at the same time i mean if you know if we can't complete a pass or <laughs> run for that doesn't matter whatever yeah yeah that's the truth hey well look 
I'm excited for the game this week. Um, we will be there, and I'm really excited to see how they they turn out. And I hope that Husky Nation gets out and supports uh, supports the, the ultimately the student athletes because, you know, as we've always talked about, is uh, you know Husky football is bigger than one man. It's bigger than one coach. That's not to disparage Jimmy Lake, who again I think has has done great things for this program and is is a quality person. Um, but it's bigger than this. Uh, it's more about it's about the student athletes. Um, you know, it's about trying to ensure that you're there to support them. But should we get into it? We have to. I feel like, unfortunately, uh, Mitch isn't here for you to pick against because you really need a comeback against him last week. But are you ready to guess the lines? Yeah, I mean, this is kind of embarrassing. I'm losing to an empty chair over here, but uh, <laughs> let's go for it. Okay. So, first of all, not too many to look at. USC and Cal are on unplanned buys. Um, Cal, too many players on COVID. That's a whole story in and of itself. Both eliminated from Pac-12 con- contention, so they'll play December 4th. It'll be kind of interesting to see. Um, we start off the day early, 11 a.m. on Pac-12 Network, number 24, 6-3 and three Utah at 1-8 and eight Zona. Is this letdown look ahead for the Utes? We know who's favored. How many are the Utes favored by in this game? I'm going to go with 15. 15. 24. Oof, woof. I am way too low on these lines. <laughs> I, I tell you, if you've got conviction around this, you better go big on zone covering that. Okay, Next one. so just FYI, BT. I did. When I heard that Cal had this COVID situation going on last week, I immediately ran to mybookie.com and I placed a bet (laughs) on the Wildcats on the money line. I've been betting the Huskies on the under all season, but but last week I also threw a little, a few shekels on the Arizona on the money line, and that paid out three to one. Well, you're lucky Oregon didn't get that last last uh, playoff, or you wouldn't have hit that. Uh, Good point. Yeah. Okay. Next. Next one. It is reeling. Three and six. Stanford at five and four. Oregon State on Pac-12 Network. This is in Corvallis. We know who's favored. How many are the beefs favored by? I'm gonna go with seven and a half. Seven and a half. Again, too low. Big Twelve. Baker's dozen. We're going with. Okay. <laughs> Hammer it again. Next one. Uh, our next opponent. Three and six. CU. At five and four UCLA, six p.m. on Pac-12 Network. Okay, so this is in LA in the Rose Bowl. UCLA is favored. You know it by how much? I'm gonna go with ten and a half here. Sixteen. Oof, low on everyone. <laughs> low on everyone this week. <laughs> okay, end of the night. Go Cougs. This is the one time you're gonna hear us say this all year. Go Cougs. Big crimson and gray, whatever they call themselves. All. All week this week, um, they've given the Ducks trouble. They've given the Ducks trouble a lot. Seven did, you hear Cristobal, did you hear Cristobal come out this week and say, these guys are actually our biggest rival. They've played us tougher than anybody. Did you see that? Just nonstop. God, I, God. <laughs> yeah. I literally, I hate him, BT. I yeah, the, his po- the, the, I mean, look, we're, we're not in much of a room to speak at this point uh, in terms of coach behavior, but A, um, Cool that your your teams are, are live tweeting what's supposed to be a private like speech to your team afterwards, and they're I'm all. I'm sure just, somebody I've, got their hand slapped about that, but for him to come out and say that team over there talking about the Huskies is everything that's wrong with football, when the benefactor to my university has literally destroyed amateur athletics as a concept by putting a billion dollars into the program at Oregon trying to buy a national title. I mean, to me, unfathomably hypocritical and insulting. And I wish we, 
I wish I, I wish I had never heard that it happened. He, he wants to say that in private. Fine. I just wish I didn't know about it. it. It's unreal. And it's unfortunate that like, we're not really in a position to point fingers right now, but regardless, it's complete and total Bush league. And I hope that the Cougs smack them around, but we know the ducks are favored by how many at home. Uh, this is wait. Oh, I don't have that. Is this in Eugene? Yeah, it's got to be at home. Yeah, it's in Eugene. They played us here. They has got to be home. So I'm yep. gonna go with um, I'm gonna go with thirteen and a half on this one. Ooh, that would that a bit of payday right there for you. Fourteen. Mm. Fourteen. All right. Yeah, that's where it should be. Get Mitch's guesses. All right. I'm not gonna let him. Uh, I'm not gonna let an empty chair beat me. Get Mitch's guesses, <laughs> and then let's revisit the standings next week. I like it. Let's get into it. So, hey, look, Husky Nation, tough week, man. Uh, there's no other way to look at this. Real, real hard week. Um, and and I think it's it's one of those times where just show up for the team and don't forget about why you're here as a fan. One thing we got to do, though, this has been a long time coming. Rapid fire Q&A. Uh-oh. Okay, rapid fire Q&A. From real Sean Olcott. We owe him a lot. Do you, Jimmy, listener. do you think Jimmy is better at hiring lawyers than coordinators? Um, okay. No question. The answer is yes. Um, I, I mean, because you can't actually hire a worse coordinator than Jeff Donovan. <laughs> so he could go down to the bar exam and pick somebody randomly coming out with a laptop case and say, mm, I got you. That's awesome. I love it. Okay. Um, What sick Husky burns can we look forward to on the broadcast team on Saturday? And this is, I didn't, I didn't watch the the replay of this. So what burns did uh, uh, Quint Kucinich and those D bags that covered us this week? What game are they doing? I mean, no, them coming up this week, like what kind of burns did they have for the Huskies on their, their, uh, their, their live feed? Oh, I mean, I just don't even want to know. I mean, ESPN has been so in the tank for Oregon for years. I mean, for the just just the cutting away to puddles the duck, like doing random stuff. It's just like a giant Oregon commercial every time, you know, they're on ESPN. So I just, you know, I don't even want if me if I was watching at home, I would just probably mute it or turn on the radio or something. <laughs> well, hey, uh, a big thanks to the real Sean Olcott. Uh, keep those questions coming, devoted listener, and and we we appreciate it. And and our sincere apologies for not getting back to the weekly questions. We will get we'll make our own segment. A mailbag, mailbag, a mailbag. Sean's mailbag each week. Hey, get after it this week, Husky Nation. Let's get there. Let's support our teams. A win against ASU would be pretty nice, getting us close to that lifetime uh, win column and get us into a decent shape with a couple games left to try to get bowl eligible. Come out and support the student-athletes. Let's support Husky Nation. Can I get a go, dogs? Let's go, dogs. Nope. Touchdown, Washington. Yep. Washington State University. Nope. Touchdown, Washington. Yep. Oregon and Stanford. Nope. Touchdown, Washington. Yep. Is Arizona State a football team? Nope. Touchdown, Washington. Yep.